Lord Provost Warren of Glasgow presents the Scottish League Cup to the side that lasted the course better. All conquering East Fife. As I made my way to that pitch on Wellesley Road To sing my songs for the boys in black and gold I heard the stories about 1938 And I was just a boy and knew I'd have to wait there's broken dreams and what might have been at that stadium by the shore But those glory days of gold might return once more Hello, hello, how do you do? We are the boys from New Bayview and we're back with another episode of Glory Days of Gold, your East Fife and Scottish football podcast. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Miguelis. I'm Gordon Henderson. And we are back. I know you've been wondering where we've been. We'll get into to that straight off the bat. It's It's been a tricky couple of weeks to get these shows done for a, a variety of reasons. Um, Doug is away with work at the moment. I've been busy doing commentary on the end of the college and university season over here, which has meant I haven't been available on our normal recording day of Sundays because that's when the, the games have been. And unfortunately, Lee, you've not been doing too well. People may have heard your, your cough in a few of the, the recent shows, but you're, you're back healthy, fighting fit. Well, as healthy as you get and fighting fit, well, as fit as you get, but you're back. Um, yeah, still fat, still bald and still ugly. Um, but yeah, just after the... The, the Greg show I took a, a pretty bad turn and ended up in hospital and stuff and yeah all the, not go too much into it for the not wanting a pity party but all on the, the men now and hopefully we've got to the bottom of my issues since COVID um, but if you see me shivering at a game please feel free to buy me a cup of tea to warm me up I mean poor Gordon you've been the one that's ready to go in all these weeks and we've let you down yeah that's it I mean I- I feel like I've carried the show enough anyway, so uh, <laughs> really, really disappointed in all you guys. I'm well, sorry, I, we, ha- we have let you down. But we're Michael, back. Are you wearing a Squirtle from Pokemon hat? Because that's very much what it looks like. No, there's a cartoon series called Strange Planet, and it's about aliens that are living on Earth, and it's they have weird ways of, of describing things. Like, they refer to coffee as jitter beans, and stuff like that so i like it my wife likes it i bought this hat for my wife for christmas last year she won't wear it because to quote her i'm not a child so i'm wearing it because you are a child at heart of course at at heart yeah i was wearing it as a joke in one of the games that i was doing the commentary at and then i forgot i had it on and then i had to go down and i spoke to the two managers afterwards wearing this hat and it's only when I got back I realised I hadn't switched it back over again. I must have looked like a prize plum. As opposed to... <laughs> <laughs> uh, a not very award-winning plum. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>, take that. <laughs> anyway, we are back. We're going to be a lot more regular. Obviously, the World Cup will throw things into... 
who knows? Because it depends what games are on and various stuff like that. We'll, we'll get recordings done. Don't worry about that. We're going to touch a little bit on the World Cup. We're obviously going to talk about East Fife. But before we get into any of the football chat, let's hear from this episode's sponsors. East Fife Community Football Club is proud to sponsor Glory Days of Gold. Keep up to date with all our community programmes through our Facebook and Twitter pages. There are classes available for every age and ability, from toddlers to walking football. Just search East Fife Community Football Club. We are Mays Mortgages. We're Fife-based mortgage and protection specialists. Our aim is to provide our clients with high-quality, personal and friendly service. Our advisors have over 25 years of industry experience and have an outstanding record for sourcing our clients the products that suit their needs. Where we're different though, unlike many other brokers, from start to finish, we won't charge you a penny. Just send us a message via Facebook to find out more. So thanks as always to East Fife Community Football Club and Mays Mortgages for their continued support. They support us all season long. Please go and support them. But yep, we are back. We're back talking football and the eyes of the world are on football right now. So naturally, we want to talk about Scottish League 2. So we are going to talk about East Fife. There's been three games played since our, our last interview with Greg McDonald. That went down very well, I've got to say. I think the reaction to Greg was what we were hoping for, what I think Greg was hoping for as well. Has the goodwill gone? He hasn't got a win since. Did we jinx him? Yes. Um, I think potentially we did jinx him Um, look it's not like we haven't played well I think that somebody summed it up perfectly on um, on Twitter where it's a bit like we need to stop giving teams head starts and conceding sloppy goals if we could tighten up at the back then we'll be absolutely fine (laughs) Um, because we could score well, we're, we're very good going forward, but absolutely honking at the back. Um, and there's no other there's no other way to describe it. We, I mean, no. Some of the goals we've given up in these last three games have been atrocious. All season, Mike. But some of the goals yeah. that we've conceded all season have been really, really bad, and we, we really lack leadership at the back. Yeah, um, it's not as this. I'm not saying this is a slight on Mercer or or Murdoch. It's not what I'm saying. I'm just. It's more that I, I think today the penny dropped for me. We really miss Chris Higgins this season, and again, mm. it's not to say that Denham and Steele aren't good players, but they're not. They're not hardened professionals, and a talker on the park like what Higgins was. I think that's fair, Gordon, to to say that. I mean, I'm watching the the highlights of the last couple of games, I, I just couldn't help but thinking we've got a defender that is our manager and he must just shake his head at some of the stuff that he's seen out there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the particularly the goals from yesterday, were, it, and it was really poor defending. I think both, both goals you can look at, um, basically Dunsmore getting far too much space on our left. And both balls into the box were really poorly defended. Um, first goal, 
first goal, you feel like uh, Mercer's got to get there. He's absolutely got to put out for a corner anything. And any, you know, the Sterling Albion players, Mercer's got a head start, Sterling Albion player gets there first. The second one, he's kind of all on his own. He's between Miller and Mercer. And, you know, it's just, they were so cheap. And and that's what it feels like. It feels like at the moment, because we're giving away cheap goals, we have got to be so much better than the opposition to take something for the game. And um, I was saying yesterday as well, it felt like a little bit like us, I think two years ago, where most games were playing really well, but we'd always concede one or two silly goals. And so we were having to score two or three to get a win. Um, and I think, you know, that's the negatives from the past three games. I think there have been a lot of positives. Oh, yeah. Um, I think the attitude for the team in all three games, you can you can praise definitely and there's been some good football played and we have scored goals and there definitely has been positives but it, I guess it's frustrating because you think we could have taken far more than one point if we could just cut out silly goals um, and the same thing I don't think it's necessarily pointing the finger at, at individuals um, you know it was maybe a little bit you know yesterday it was a bit makeshift you know Murdoch's coming in after being out for a little while, we're obviously missing steel. Um, you know, Newton's filling in at left back, which isn't necessarily his natural position, doesn't have a lot of experience there. So I understand it's 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 tough. And you you look at the bench yesterday and there's not a lot mm. of there's not a huge amount of options to change things around. So I think it's it's a bit of a case of going with what we've got at the moment until we can get players back. Yeah, that depth is concerning because when you need to make those changes it's just not there I mean if we're going to deconstruct the game from yesterday first well I wasn't going to but okay <laughs> since, since we're in that flow of talking about the goals we can yeah. see yesterday because I was sitting behind Gordon and his abnormally large head yesterday um, and basically if the first goal I don't think if I get them mixed around or jumbled up, but there was so many errors in both goals that they've sort of mishmashed into one. But I think Liam Newton doesn't get quick enough out to Dunsmore for the first one. He gets too much space. Mercer completely is switched off at the back. Um, and it, it almost looks like, I think it's Leach that gets the first one, wants it more because he, he's bursting a gut to get in. I don't know if Mercer's thinking he's he's... he's turned his shoulder to, to usher the ball at the park, but the other boy just he's, he's just that got that desire to, to get in and get it and to score the goal from it. The second one, they take the throw in, Murdoch switched off. So he gets the, the chance to take the the pass. It comes out of the box again and Healy switched off. Dunsmore, we all know what he could do when he's switched on and, and what his crossing ability is like. Puts the ball in again, Miller and um, Murdoch, you're, again, that's in, in that sequence, your three most experienced outfield players on the park all switched off goal. So, well, apart from Trouton, of course, um, on the outfield side of things. And then I kind of felt like yesterday, after those goals, I mean, uh, some of the stats were insane. Like we were 75% yeah. to 25% at one point. We looked so good going forward. I mean, Scott Shepard, I, I say it all the time, 
he never gives up and the amount of opportunities that we got yesterday for him fighting for a ball that he probably had no right to or 90% of players would have given up for I absolutely love that about him honestly he just he doesn't stop trying I want to I want to bring on a discussion point on Alan Trout and I, it could be potentially me and you know I, I mean I've had people that have listened to the show that have got coaching badges and criticised my opinions and stuff in the past which is fine but I'm not overly sure what Troughton's adding to the team at the moment and I feel that for his level of experience he should be adding a lot more by all accounts he seems to be a really really lovely and well liked guy that's great but the amount of chances that he had yesterday where he almost tries to be too cute and it's like play a little nice inside pass or try and uh, you know nice soft like passed ball into the net where I really think you should be putting your laces through that um, and I'm just a bit like I watch that and then Ferguson does it and then other people do it and I'm just like if they, if that's what they're seeing from Trout and they must be going this is what I must be needing to do I mean he had a chance right at the end of the game yesterday where he should fucking leather it like I don't mind if he smashes that and it goes over the bar but he almost tries to pass it into the net. And I'm like, for fuck's sake, just, you know, what happened to an old-fashioned, like, I'm just going to smash this, and if it cannonballs off somebody and goes in, then great. Um, it's, it's too much namby-pambiness in the in the shots. And I would expect Trout and, and, and his goal record's pretty decent. He should be doing it a lot better with, with his chances. And he's won yesterday... <laughs> I'm not going to say it's a fluke, but it's, you know, it, it takes a deflection and sort of bubbles over the keeper. It wasn't a great finish. Um, for, again, first goal from open play as well. And we're into November. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, obviously he was injured for, for the yeah. first, you know, first five or six games or whatever. So, you know, can't hold that against him. But really, I think the point that I need to be, uh, that I'm making is, is, is somebody of his experience and, and clear Clear talent needs to be doing better and, and showing these young guys what an experienced finisher should look like because although we are very good going forward, we lack a finisher up front. And another stat for you, we've not kept a green sheet, a clean sheet since Greg came in. And it also, I would be very interested if anybody wants to check our lineups if we won a game without Ryan Chiboni Stana. Hmm. The thing with Troughton, like I haven't seen him play much because his career has been since I left. From from what you know of him or from what you've seen from him, how how have his goals been before? Is yeah. it just that that's how he's always played? Has he always been a kind of not put the laces through it kind of guy? Because if that's how he's always played, it's hard for him then to, to come out of that. I believe um, he's not an out-and-out -out striker. Like I think he's more of a number 10, but I still think that um, he's scored enough goals that he, he should know when to put the boot through it. I, I, I seem to remember, I don't know, but I've got sort of memory of Alan Troughton being somebody that you know probably scores quite a few goals for the edge of the box. Mm. And... You know, I've got. I, had, I thought exactly the same thing yesterday as Julie. That there's a few times where you maybe see him get the ball in that area, and you just think, "Hit it! Just, just take a shot. Just test the keeper." And he doesn't. 
And that's something where I'm like, I, I'm sure I've seen him score. I'm sure he's scored goals against us like that. And that's what I'm kind of wanting from him. And he seems to be so reluctant to do it. Um, it's frustrating. I mean, we're in Scottish League too. There's no time really for being pretty. You just do want to leather the ball in the back of the net sometimes. We've been playing some pretty football though. I mean, I'll rewind a little bit. We're not going to delve tons into the Stenny game. We're not going to delve tons into the Albion Rovers game. But there are a few things we obviously want to talk about with those. The Stenny game. I mean, out of these three games, I guess we could look at the good, the bad and the ugly for them. I would say the good is that Stenny game because obviously we got a point, but the fighting spirit to come back to to win it to win the point in stoppage time, and a, an absolutely stunning goal from Jack Healy as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought um, that that was the big thing to take the takeaway from the Stenny game. You know, it felt it felt like a bit of a win in the end because I mean, although I think we we equalised with a penalty with about twenty minutes to go, and they went a man down, and at that point. You wouldn't have settled for a point, but you know they then they got to go back straight away, and for that point on, I thought you know we showed really good, a really good attitude. We scored a fantastic goal, and at the end of the game, you know you felt you felt quite good about it. You're like, yeah, this is good. Um, really like the desire and commitment for the team, um, and I, I missed the Albion Rovers game, but. I think what people were saying was the same thing. You know, we we were we were the team down to ten, and we played most of the game, vast majority of the game with ten men. And when you take that into account, what people were saying was, not like that's a performance they can be proud of. It was a difficult situation; they were unlucky, but you know they were getting praised for that. And you know, in some ways, you can take the same attitude yesterday. And um, you know, you think first ten minutes aside, we were brilliant actually. Um, yeah. And given that we were in that really tough situation, because I thought to myself after 10 minutes, fucking hell, like we might get a real doing here. Mm. This might be a really, really uncomfortable yeah. afternoon. And we didn't. We fought our way back into it and we played some really good stuff. So for me, that's a big positive. I think there's still a lot of, with, with, with Greg and with the team, you know, there's still a lot of credit in the bank, if you know what I mean, from the performances before. And I think the the last three games where we haven't won, I've still come away being, you know, quite proud of the team and the way they played. You know, there there are there are definitely things to fix, but overall, I think it's you know they've done quite well. Yeah. I I wrote down a quote from Greg after the the game yesterday, and he had apparently said this after maybe last week as well, but I didn't watch his post game last week that. He, there's a way to lose a game of football and that's like banging on the door and that's what they're doing like yeah they're losing but as as Gordon said you can take a lot of pride from how they've lost and how they've played I think if you cast back to last season maybe even the season before we were coming out of defeats thinking oh, we didn't deserve anything from that we've played absolute shit but now we're playing some nice stuff things aren't coming off for whatever reason but a big part of that is those early goals that were constantly giving up and we're making it difficult for ourselves. But I think there's enough positives there for us to to be proud of, maybe not proud, but to be pleased with how the team is playing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like the, the Stenny game, I mean, we dug into the end. Again, we were probably the better team 
throughout the match. Healy's goal, you, you actually run out of superlatives to describe a Jack Healy goal, don't you? Because yeah. he doesn't score tap-ins. Um, you know, he's, he's unbelievable. And then the, the Albion Rovers game, again, by far the better team. Horrendous sending off for, for Aaron Steele, in, in my opinion. Yeah, let's get into that then. Because I hadn't... I hadn't watched the highlights until today. I just couldn't bring myself because I knew we'd lost and everyone was going on about the, the sending off. And I've watched it back a couple of times. I know this isn't news for anyone because we're all on the same page here. I, I don't see how that's a sending off. You might have seen that like on the Glory Days page, I actually messaged that and I was really grateful. Yeah. You're a really nice guy. Um, and I was like, I, I, we were in hospitality, my dad and my uncle and I, you know, I was watching it. <laughs> And I'm like, well done, Steely. And then I hear the whistle and I'm like, oh, he's must have pushed Darren over. That's my, my first initial instinct was that he's given it for a foul against us. And then he's running over and he's talking to Steely and I'm like, must be high feet. That's it, high feet. Um, but even then I was like, harsh. And then he pulls the red card out and I was like, are you fucking kidding me? We, we, we had the, the Albion Rovers board behind us and the guy tapped me on the shoulder and went, that is one of the worst decisions I've seen. I've been going to football for 60 years. And I was like, yeah, it was absolutely horrendous. I, I couldn't actually believe how bad the call was. And they sent him off for, because um, the referee thought he kicked the Albion Rovers player in the face. So from I've watched it back and watched it back and watched it back. And the referee doesn't have a great position of it. No. Right? Right? However... The stand side linesman has to do better there. He has to say, no, like he's kicked the ball off his face. Fair enough. If it's high feet, then book him or whatever. But basically the referee has since watched it back and reduced it because it was a straight red card. It should have been a two match ban, a one match ban. Um, So that was just the game yesterday. But stands by his decision that it was dangerous play. So the club would have had to pay £500 to appeal that. And regardless of whether they won or lost, they, would, they wouldn't get that money back. Oh, so, really? Yes. So ultimately, it's whether he go, well, do we take the gamble and get Steely in? Um, but actually, Murdo's fit, so he'll probably do the yeah. job and we could save 500 quid. And let's be honest, in, in the tough times that we're in, it was the, the decision that was made, but... Felt hard, sorry for for Aaron Steele to be honest. Um, yeah, I really did because it was a, it was a horrendous decision. But the, on on the subject of the the Albion Rovers game, the um, Stennis Muir game, but particularly the Albion Rovers game, the stunning game yesterday, I just want to bring up Joe Baldy. And yeah, I, I I can't actually leave that us. And but those two goals this, were something else. I mean, the the first goal against Albion Rovers. He wins the ball, starts to move. I mean, he gets kicked like no player I've seen at this level in a very long time. Absolutely booted off the ball, but it doesn't shy away from it. Straight back up, sprays a great pass out. Mercer with an absolutely world of pass. And it goes to Baldy. And before he even headed that, I went, it's in. And it a 10 out of 10 header for him, right in yep. the top bag. His second goal is arguably better. Because the ball comes in, I think maybe even again from Mercer. I'm not entirely sure. No, Scott Shepard, sorry. Shepard does well to win the ball that he shouldn't have won again, by the way. Crosses it in and he 
just does enough to lift his leg up. I mean, the, the position of his body lifts the leg up and up and over the, the Aberdeen Rovers keeper is superb. I know he's going to get a lot of shit for missing the penalty, and it was a piss poor penalty. It was. However, Balde's ability is incredible. And some, uh, somebody that was sitting next to the football yesterday, I think it was Isla, said, if I was an opposition player, I would be checking his boots for Velcro. Because his touch, I mean, he, he, he gets battered, or somebody tries to swing at him, and he still leaves the situation with the ball. I mean, of course, he's like every football at this level is going to make a bad pass or whatever. One of the comments I've seen on Brian Bovril a few weeks ago was horrific, saying that um doesn't know what he sees in Baldy and he flatters to deceive. And I'm like, I don't think he does flatter to deceive. He, he picks up the ball, he gets it into positive positions. I mean, I think at that point he'd had no goals and no assists, but I think that in modern football, you've got to look at goal involvements. Yeah. And I would be absolutely shocked if he wasn't top for goal involvements in our team for either starting a move or a tackle. Because again, when we played Bonnie, like him and Ferguson were outstanding in that game as well. Um, I can't actually, I'll be astounded, astounded if we've still got him after January. Because if Hibs are coming to watch him just now, they're going to be thinking he's finding this a bit too easy and we'll take him out and put him at a higher level a la Jack Hamilton a few years ago, um, which worries me a bit. But then on the flip side, I actually think Fergie's gone off the boil a wee bit. Um, but I don't know if, if that's because of maybe playing... I think Ferguson had a good game yesterday, but not as good as he had against like Forfar and Bonnie Rigg, where I think they were like two best games of the season. But I, I don't know if maybe Baldi's playing so well that maybe Ferguson is just a wee bit in his shadow, but Again, I just wanted to state what a player Baldi is, and I'm going to make a shout that people will probably hammer me for, but he's got potential to be one of the best these five players in the last 20, 30 years, in my opinion. More than Sean Brown? <laughs> I mean, quad B, Hunger Games slip for him. We all know what a player he was. Um, but, you know, I think maybe just edges it. And, and In fact, the, the, set, the call that I made yesterday is he goes in to the same brand as Bobby Lynn, Bobby Barr, um, and um, probably add Baldi's name to be the most exciting players that we've had. Bal- uh, Bobby Barr in his first spell when he came on loan, I think it was from Livingston, was absolutely unplayable. Bobby Lynn was just pretty good for us quite a lot of the time. And I think Baldi could fit into that category. I really do. See his first goal. I didn't get a chance to watch the back and freeze it. Is that your big head that appears on camera? Yes. Yeah, I thought it looked... I, I saw a, a brief two seconds and I was like, that's Lee. Yeah, it was me and my dad. I, I took my... Um, I say I took my dad, but my dad and I took my uncle to hospitality. My uncle was in his... He's going to be 80 in February. And he's been his five fan for years, but hadn't been for ages. So uh, my dad and I went half hours and, and took him to hospitality. So that's where we're sitting, where we sat for the forfeit game. But um, yeah, I got a screenshot from Laura at halftime saying thanks. Didn't want to see the celebration anyway. Did just see my massive goal? <laughs> oh, I mean, Sorry we were talking. We were talking before we recorded, Gordon, just about with Baldi. I think it's helped as well that he isn't playing central midfield and he's actually playing in positions that suit him now, and we're seeing the best of him. Yeah, I think even weeks ago we'd we'd kind of talked about that and. Saying that he was, he'd potentially been a wee bit inconsistent, and 
you know, that was maybe down to he needs to be played in his best position. And definitely over the last few weeks, I think he's he's been uh, he's kind of stepped up a bit. I mean, on on a sort of technique level, he's so beyond Scottish League Two. It's laughable, really. I mean, he's such a standout. Yeah. I mean, there is that danger then that Lee said that they're going to think he needs he needs more testing. I think you know on on his best days, yeah, um, he looks unplayable. If if I'm if I'm going to rein it in a wee bit, I would say, I mean, he's a very good player. He's a very good player at this level, and his technical ability is unreal, and it's. The, the kind you don't usually see at this level. You don't usually see East Fife. I think if I'm Hibs, what I am probably thinking is, you know, you you do need to have, you you do need to have a bigger impact on games at this level. Um, I take you know Lee's point as well. It's not just all about goals, all about assists, but I think for the obvious talent that he does have. If I'm pushing them and saying, should I expect a bit more from you on a consistent basis? Yeah, probably. Like that's where I think he needs to improve. And I think yeah. Hibs, you know, they, they may well look at him and say, yeah, we, we want to take you out of League Two and we want to put you up a level or two and see how you get on. Um, but I think there's, you know, if fingers crossed a wee bit, almost, you know, you're hoping he's not too good over the next few weeks. But I think if I'm Hibs, I might think as well. It's like, look, I want you. You know, if you until we, if you're going to move up, I want you making a bigger impact week after week. Because I think for the level of ability he does have, he's not quite doing that yet. And and part of that is because he hasn't. You know, we're talking about him being beyond this level, but this is the highest level he's played at. Mm-hmm. You know, he's come from a lower level, and um, so he's. Like like every other player, he's he's having to get used to some things at this level, and one of those things is getting booted about uh, for ninety minutes every week. But I, I think he's 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 got a little bit to prove before I would put him in in that kind of category. But the the potential he's got and the technical ability he's got are. I think that's what I mean, and uh, I, I'm not saying that he's the best player. But the fact is that the best player in terms of like finishing the articles, I'll, I'll expand on my answer a bit. I think for the ability to get you off your seat and be entertained, that's what puts him in that bracket. Because I mean, some of the skills that he pulls off, some of the passing, his turn, his turn of pace. You know, even if he could start adding more goals and assists to his game, he could be the best all-round player. Easily, you know, easily. But what I mean, then, just to clarify that before I get hammered on Twitter, is just for that ability to get you off your seat with excitement, like, holy shit, like, this guy is excellent to watch. And I mean, if you're paying 18 quid, um, you know, you want to be fucking entertained. So um, certainly think that there's, um, there's definitely a lot that he brings to us as a team. Certainly more now that he's playing in a position he's comfortable with. And... I would say that he would have more goals and assists if he was playing with better strikers. That was the point I was going to make. He can't do it all himself. He needs to have a better supporting cast. The consistency's not there. I think that's the frustrating thing. But you do wonder if he had some slightly better players around him, would that consistency be there? 
that might also be what Hibs are thinking. And it's like, you move him up a level, you might have those better players around. Not a guarantee, but, I mean, he, he does need to do more. And the games that I saw when I was over, it was to seeing him in the flesh, it's like, wow, just his movement and everything about him, that technical ability is clearly there. And then I do wonder if being played in that more kind of central midfield role, which it baffled me as to why you would... It's kind of like Samson's locks. You've kind of cut off what he can bring to this team by playing him in a position where he can't really thrive because you don't want him doing all that stuff in the position that he was playing because that's not what that role's meant to be. So I think it's maybe finding where he fits into this team. But it also goes back to Scott Shepard, what you were saying. He's doing all this great stuff, but he can't do it all on his own. He needs to have other players around him to, to feed off him and and capitalise on, on what he's doing. And I think that's where it kind of went wrong for us yesterday. You look at that performance, and yeah, we were really strong after the first 10, 15 minutes. But in saying that, we didn't really carve out tons of clear-cut goal-scoring opportunities. Does does anyone think that, um, just the kind of thought I had there, that, you know, the, the, the formation that we're playing yesterday, where it's almost trouting as this kind of, you know, this number 10 just off the striker, you could see it as a kind of 4-4-1-1 or 4 3 one or whatever. I was like, would it be better to move Ferguson up a little bit and then maybe bring in, say, like Slattery into centre mid? You know, that... I mean, you can that tell that Ferguson's not having as good a, a, a couple of games because Lee's dropped the whole Sir Alex thing and he's down to call him Fergie now. Yes. Um, you know, maybe it's going to be a bit like the Black Eyed Peas and Manchester United and will not be quite as good when Fergie leaves. Um, but no, I think for me, there's there's a bigger issue about where we put Ferguson in Bali and it's our full wax. Mm. Um, and I want to talk again about about Liam Newton because I actually feel really, really sorry for him because he's a decent player. I don't think he gets in the team over Ferguson or Baldy or Healy or Miller or, or any of these guys, but he's also not a left-back. And we've, we've been saying it for weeks and weeks and weeks. We've got Williamson there who is a left-back, why not play him at left-back? Um, there, there has to be another reason he's not playing. Obviously, we did ask Greg the question on the show he was on, gave a very professional answer. I'm sure that um, he'll have had rehearsed over and over again. But either in January, we let him go. If he's not either fitting in for one reason or not making the cut, let him go and bring in an experienced left fullback, um, Or... You know, play the boy. I know. I don't get it. No, I don't. And it's either. like that um, seems to be the big when you're you're checking social media and some of the WhatsApp groups and stuff that we're in. It's it's what folk are saying. It's like, why is he not playing? Yeah. Um, there must so, be something though that Greg is just not seeing from him. It has to be because if you think about, it's nothing to do with inexperience because a lot of our guys are inexperienced at this level. Um, is it just a case that he's playing them to shoehorn Murdoch and um, Mercer in the team? Again, the answer to that is no, because 
the perfect opportunity last week when Murdoch was injured. He could have brought Williamson on and he brought on Parker. So he obviously doesn't fancy the boy, which is fine. Like, I have no issues with that. Managers make mistakes. Christ, Darren Young saying fucking Andrea Seo Bonsu, the worst player to play Bayview. So managers can make mistakes. I have no issues with that. Just own up to it and say, you know, we thought he was cut out for this level. He's not. And ultimately, we've let him go on loan to WE Star or whatever it is. Like, just, just move him on and give the boy the chance to play because he's a young kid. And from what I've seen, there's potential there. Yeah. So give him the chance to, to move him on. If we've, if we've got him to the end of the season, go and send him out on loan. Um, if he goes and does well and he's loan, renew his contract, then we could look at him again next year. But ultimately, he's doing no benefit to him sitting on the bench. Same with boys like Mikey Cunningham. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think that. Mikey Cunningham's had a game for what feels like weeks now. I mean, Taylor Stephen was brought in and that pretty much put the nail in the Mikey Cunningham coffin. Um, I, I don't think that he'll be getting on anything soon. I mean, we made one change yesterday and that, that smacks to me that, that Greg doesn't really fancy much of his bench. I mean, Pat will come on and do a job for you. When he came on against Abbey Rovers, the first thing he did was get booked. Um, but, I mean, realistically, we've still got Brogan Walls to come back, who's a, a top player. Still got Conor McManus to come in, who, you know, is a cardboard cutout for Caden Miller, but maybe provide a bit of competition for places in that position. But really, we, we do have areas that we desperately need to strengthen, but I imagine we'll not be able to strengthen in those positions until we move a couple of players on. I, I, I would expect a few to move out in January. Surely either loans to the Lauren League or just come to a, an agreement to let them find a new club. They, they yeah. have to. For their mm-hmm. sakes as well, because it's like you've got to... I, I think it, in modern football, clubs are bad at the top end of it for hanging on to players and not because they just want to have all these players and options and they don't want their opponents to do it. At this level, there's no excuse. Young guys need to play. If you're not going to use them, let them go and move on and play for somebody that is going to use them. Yeah, I mean, yesterday our bench was Slattery, Cunningham, Williamson, Parker, Beveridge and Stephen. He brought in Taylor Stephen, who I'm hesitant to criticise because he's very young, but I've not seen enough from him to think he's ready for this level yet. But I do think he's maybe 18. Mm. Potentially could do another year or two at under-20s before coming up to this level but I mean say this was say this was fantasy football right and we could just say yes or no I mean I look at that bench and I would let Mikey Cunningham go Williamson if like Williamson go Parker looks okay and Reese Beveridge will probably drop down to third choice goalkeeper when Scott Gallagher comes back and I'd let Taylor Stephen go so ultimately Greg is playing with his best 11 um, we've obviously got Ryan Chaboni, um to, to come back in that adds a little bit more competition for places up front. But, I mean, our squad depth isn't great. And we've got a big squad, but not a lot of quality. So I think that, that calls will need to be made by Greg in January, whether, you know, the likes of Taylor Stephen or Liam Parker or these guys have break clauses in January go, actually, we don't think that they're ready for this level yet and send them back or you know whatever but I, I almost felt yesterday that we made the change Taylor Stephen for Jack you wonder if it's because he's got a clause in his contract that he has to come on and get minutes because I don't really think that Jack had done a lot yesterday a lot wrong yesterday and I think the one thing about Jack Healy is you would leave him on unless he's having a Western Super 
because he's got it in his locker that he could pull something out for you the last mm-hmm. minute, like he's done three or four times this season. So that substitution wasn't actually one that I, nor many of the, the people sitting around me yesterday understood. I thought it should even Trouton that came off personally. Um, and it went to two actual out-and-out strikers up front. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, we've got three, four games left until January. Um, the next three at home, we need to get seven out of nine points. Have to get um, seven out of nine points because there's against teams that we really should beat. Yeah. Um, and then hopefully get a, a point away at, at Dumbarton. But for me, these next three games really show and where we will be battling out. Well, we'll be battling out for, you know, confidently third or we're going to be scrapping for for playoffs. Yeah, because the, the top two, Gordon, I mean, it, I don't like saying they're going to run away with it because we've seen in this league that I, I just a bad string of results or a good string of results and you're going up and down quickly. But those two seem to be the teams that they, they've steadied the ship in Dumbarton's case and they're just pushing on. And now it's just going to be an absolute dogfight for positions three to maybe 10. I think the bottom two might be kind of cut adrift at some point as well. So three to eight, I think it's just all up in the air. If you look at positions three to eight, like, you know, from three, four, five, there's never more than two points between any of the teams. And mostly it's one. So from Elgar and third down to even fourth or in tenth, there's very there's no gap. At no point is there a more than two point gap. Um, but yeah, I agree that Dumbarton and Sterling, you know, again, it's they're not, you know, they're not fantastic teams, but they have been a bit a step ahead of other teams. And I think it's largely, you know, when we played these teams, it's largely that little bit of, you know, just. It might be just that bit of extra experience that just, you know, their squads maybe got a few less kind of holes in it where you think, oh, that's maybe a weak point. And, you know, they just look like, again, you know, they just keep it a little bit tighter at the back, take their chances when they come. They don't look like a team of superstars that that are going to come and boss you off the park, but they just look like they've just got that little bit more consistency. And I I think, yeah, I'd, I'd be surprised if those two don't open up a bit of a gap. I think everyone else is not going to have the consistency to do it. Um, but yeah, these, ne- these next three games, totally agree. Um, you know, you could see us potentially getting seven, nine points and then going back to being like, all right, you know, we're fighting for the playoffs. You know, a couple of defeats in this. Yeah, the, the worrying thing is a couple of defeats and it does get a bit scary because like, I'm just looking at the form guide just now. And there's very few teams stringing more than just two wins together at a time. And it's easy to suddenly climb if you get those wins going together. But when you look at the teams that's down the bottom and the form they've been in and the the draws that they've got and the defeats that they've got, these three games are big and it's worrying because our home form hasn't been great. But as you say, Lee, these are games that very much we should be able to win. We've got a break now of two weeks. So we're back at it December 3rd with Annan. Next week's Bonnie Rig, And then it's Stranraer. And I would be looking for 
all nine on paper from that anyway. Definitely possible. Well, and from Rar get... might be the the one you would maybe get a draw from, but hopefully we'll have at least maybe one, two, even three of these players back as well over that time. Because um, I think they will make a big difference. I think it's easy to maybe miss how much of a difference Shivoni makes. Um, he's got, you know, he's scored quite a few goals and he'll be a big uh, boost. Brogan Walls as well, McManus, a few of these players. Hopefully they start to come back in that through that period. Yeah. Because I, I think, like I was saying earlier on, we don't actually have a lot of quality on the bench as it stands. I mean, Annan should have beat us down the road, um, but we got a draw out of that, but aren't a good side. Bonnie Rigg, we've played them twice. I think we wisened up to how we played them the first time, but I fancy us at home against them. Um, if we play similarly to how we played the last few weeks, despite losing, we beat both these teams if we manage to cut out the silly mistakes. The Stranraer one, I think, is a stickler. I would take a point for that. But yeah. I think that um, the next two games, we need a minimum of six points. Um, yeah. Do we know how far away Rabino Mar is? I should put his name the right way around. Glasgow, so maybe a bit <laughs> ah, very good. Oh. You're welcome. Um, yeah, it was I mean, so good, think... my dog kicked her treat off the couch. <laughs> that was, <laughs> please accept my apologies, Michael. That was her version of. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take it. Um, I mean, he made the bench for us a couple of weeks ago, mm. but I don't know if he was literally there to maybe make up the numbers on the bench. Um, but yeah, I think he's 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 played in a bounce game, but I think Greg had said that he hoped to get him ready for fit for this side of the year. He hoped. Um, so maybe still, um, sorry you see he played in a bounce game but he'd, he'd had a wee bit of pain after it so they're just taking yeah. it easy ah. yeah so I'll maybe, I'll maybe take some time to, to get him fit but again he's another player that gives us an option mm-hmm. last little bit just about yesterday's game before I get into your your three two ones one of the things that annoyed me I think that kind of summed up where things go wrong was their first goal and the fact that a minute before we played a lovely ball from Mercer, I think it was, right to the back post. We didn't have anyone coming in and attacking that and then they go up the field and they just send a ball into the back post and it's it's poked home. We need to be more aggressive in the final third and I just, I don't know if it's that we're not getting the numbers up in support or we're just not attacking the ball or what, but We've got to get more aggressive in the in and around the six yard box, particularly. Yeah, and, and that's where we probably miss Shivoni because if you have a look at the goals he scored, they've all been of that ilk, just sniffing at a chance in the box. Um, and when you don't have that, and um, like I say, I'm a huge Scott Shepherd fan, but I don't think he's that type of player. By Greg's own admission, Troughton's not that type of player. So ultimately, you are missing a striker. Our wide men as well. I mean, Healy and Baldy, I mean, they're not the, you know, attack the back post kind of players either. You know, that's not their game. So we are missing a bit of that. But Shivoni would be the big, you know, the, the piece missing there, I think, definitely. Just your thoughts on Aaron Dunsmore. 
two Fucking assists and a goal, goal yesterday. He yeah. really enjoyed that celebration for that third goal. Yeah, I mean, but to be he, fair, he, he looked good yesterday. It, he was getting it stinking yesterday. Oh, was he? Uh, he got it stinking yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really mind players celebrating against us. I don't. I think mean, with Dunsey, he was a bit of a cult hero, so it did kind of hurt a wee bit. But I mean, but Morris' performance yesterday—it's like we're missing that. That's the thing, and he didn't show that last year. That was the the thing as well. No, he didn't. But fuck him. Fair enough. <laughs> right, three, two, one. Um. I went three points to Joe Baldy, <laughs> which will shock no one. Thought he was excellent yesterday. Um, I'll be honest with you, although we played decent yesterday, there wasn't really anybody that stood out. So I gave two points to Jack Healy, who I thought made a bit of a nuisance of himself, and then a point to Kieran Miller, who I thought did a, a decent enough job to, to break up some play. Gordon? Uh, my quite similar three points, Baldy. Definitely, I think I think most folk would have said that. Um, just played really well. Uh, two points I gave to Ferguson. I thought he had a good game. Um, uh, set up the goal. Just thought he was pretty kind of busy in the middle of the park, and we controlled that for most of the game. And one point to Jack Healy again. Just kind of always, uh, you know, giving them something to. To worry about, always look dangerous when he's on the ball. Um, just kind of, you know, didn't really come off for us yesterday. But I thought the all those young guys had the good games. So the results yesterday elsewhere: Albion Rovers beat Stranraer one 0 Dumbarton and Forfar drew two all. Elgin beat Annan three one. Steny and Bonnie Rig drew one all, which I think was possibly the big surprise result. Where that leaves the standings, Dumbarton. So we've, we've all played 15 games. So Dumbarton out on top, 33 points. They certainly have steadied the ship after it looked like things were coming off the rails a little bit. Three points behind now, Stirling Albion. And then you've got a gap now of eight points between Stirling in second and Elgin in third and 22. And that's just opened up in, in no time at all. So we're still there, hanging on in the fourth and final playoff spot in 21, which if you can... Only take a point in your last three games and you're still there. That's that's a decent sign anyway and important to get those points on the board early. But then right behind, absolute logjam. Steny, 5th and 20. Stranraer, 6th and 19. Albion Rovers, 7th and 17. Annan, 8th and 16. Bonnyrigg, 9th and 15. And then Forfer, bottom of the heap, on 13. Which, again, it all shows... These next three games are huge because you drop points and these teams, if you lose, are, are going to overtake you. If we look at the bottom, obviously Bonnie Reg had three losses in the last five games I'm looking at. And then they've got two draws to kind of steady it a bit. And then Forfers also picked up two draws in their last two games. From what you've seen, do you still think Bonnie Reg might be the team to go down? If Forfer went out, or the league, that to me would be quite a big shock on a par with Brecon. Yeah. Um, Bonnyrigg are probably slightly better than Forfar. 
However, for for under Ray McKinnon will get better results. Yeah. So I I think that I mean McKinnon, I mean, McKinnon's shown already. I actually think that for for have got a decent a decent team. Um, but I think that they'll ultimately they'll um, probably leap from Bonnie Rig. I also worry a bit about Albion Rovers because mm. they've got the guy Riley for them, and that's really about it. And he's training, I believe, with Kilmarnock and Motherwell. So he'll probably go in January. Um, and if he goes, they're in trouble as well. I'm going to say the bottom two will be Albion Rovers and Bonnie Rigg. And I'm going to say that I think potentially Albion Rovers to finish bottom. Yeah. Ooh, I, I, you know, that's not a bad... Well, only only if Riley goes, though. If Riley mm. stays, they'll be fine. I, I've got to say, though, Gordon, the tastiness of a forfer breaking winner gets in the league, loser goes out the league what th- kind of thing would be absolutely tremendous at the I end of the season. I would go to that. Yeah. I would go to that. Playoff final would be fucking carnage, and I would love that. <laughs> I think I pretty much agree with Lee there. I think forfer, if you look at their players, I think they're in a position below where they should be, and... I think Ray McKinnon will, you know, if not completely turn them around, at least get them ticking a wee bit closer to what they should be doing. Albion Rovers, yeah, been quite impressed with them, but Riley is a big, big part of that. And I agree, I think if he goes, they'll be in trouble. Bonnie Rigg, for as much as they came in kind of swinging, I think they, you look at their first 11, I think they have the least quality in the division. And I think it doesn't mean you're going to finish 10th, but I think it means you're you're going to be struggling. Um, so I would not be surprised if Bonnie Rigg are 10th. Agree, though, it's a good shout if that if Riley goes. Because I think in the, even in the first game where we beat them 1-0, he was the standout for them, the complete standout. And then obviously I, I didn't go to the game last week, but he was obviously the standout there again. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't think they've got much if they don't have him. Yeah, if we can't have you. <laughs> I mean, obviously, finishing bottom doesn't mean you're out. Although I, I would kind of like to see that they're just relegated, and then you you know that someone's going because in England the bottom two definitely go, and I, I think that is a change that might end up coming. The Highland League Brecon's got a three-point lead at the top and they've got a game in hand over Bucky and then Brora's a bit further back so it's looking good for Brecon the Lowland League, I wanted to ask you guys obviously Rangers B are top and they can't come into the league what happens then? Does the second place team go into the playoff? Yeah, so they'll put forward the highest place team that isn't a B team basically That's so stupid Um, Yeah, oh it's complete shite I mean, there's been I've seen people saying that if you know if that happens, would there be some sort of challenge to it? And basically, well, you're supposed to, you're, the champions are supposed to go through, and you can't just say, well, actually, our champion club are actually the club, club that finished third. You know, can you really do that? But either way, it's terrible. Um, there's no but, integrity in that. No, for me, um, there's no integrity in, and that's why I, I think either have a B league. Or remove the Colts, but it's it's all it's all financial motivated. It's a shambles. 
Yeah. We've been I mean, down this rabbit hole before, though. <laughs> yeah, we, we won't go down that again. But I, I, when I was looking at it, like, a few weeks back, I meant to look into to how that was. But, I mean, the the team that seconds the University of Stirling. Are they second now? Yeah. I saw they were doing really well. Imagine, imagine if they got into the league. That would be crap, but... <laughs> it's like, oh, we, we can only sign a, a player if he... I mean, I mean, how does that work with them? Is it only students? Because I know in England you've got the Metropolitan Police and they've got a team in, in the lower leagues. And it used to be you had to be a, a police officer to play for the team. But then they couldn't get off on Saturday to play games because they had shifts. So now they can just sign anyone, but they've got the name Metropolitan Police. So I don't know. It's the University I, of Students. I think they're still all uh, students at Stirling Uni. Wow. Same as Think they were on a view for the terrace a few weeks ago and they were all students. But then you thought you would probably find this, oh look, Kevin Smith's gone back to, to university. Yeah, because like I I was mentioning I've been doing the the end of the college and the university seasons here. The tournament I was doing last week, there's a team from the Toronto area called Humber Hawks, and they've won it now seven of the last ten years. And their front two players both had pro experience and they were 25 and they're going to do a one-year course to get a, a degree to do some stuff outside and then they just like ran away with everything unbeaten season. And you're, they're going up against like 17-year-olds and stuff. So mm -hmm. it's there's dodgy ways to circumnavigate well, Julian X the Baguren, oh, we sent him from yeah. Edinburgh because he... He left Deportivo and then went to study law or something like that. And then he was far too good. And then we picked him up and he was far too good for us. But imagine, imagine like going to that, like going to like the uni football team and some guy that's played for Deportivo in the Champions League turns up. <laughs> yeah. So it's getting a bit farcical. Um, before we move on to World Cup, any other things you want to talk about from the, the Scottish leagues? Championships yeah. looking tasty at the top. I mean, Rovers getting pumped 5 2 was hilarious. Mm. Um, I don't think that, yeah, how are Cowden getting on actually? They're not doing very good. They're, I mean, they're not going to finish bottom because I think, I can't mind, was it Dalbiti that was at the bottom? Yeah, Dalbiti stars like cut adrift. Cowden's 13th out of the 19. But if you look at that, it's like Berwick's 12th, Cowden's 13th. And East Sterling seventeenth oh, out of sure. the nineteen teams. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like they're sort of safe for maybe like a year or two because there's always a complete shit team there. Yeah, those teams, you know, give it three or four years, and you won't have that safety net anymore. And I mean, it's like, do you keep the fan base? Rose, like they're a decent sized club; they'll probably be looking to come up. Yeah, um, like Albert, Darville, Clyde yeah. I, I was having a look at the Highland table and I was like, Banks a deer, bottom. But it's because they got points taken off for fielding <laughs> yeah, an eligible yeah. player. They should have been like six or seventh, so now they're down to two points and they can get relegated. A 24-point deduction. I've got to admit, <laughs> I laughed at that. That's good. I mean, it, it's tough. Um, nah, fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> 
in the, in the women's side of the university here, this team had an unbeaten season. They were defending champions, but they'd fielded an ineligible player, it turned out, that didn't qualify because she'd moved up from the US. So they had all the points taken off them and didn't even make it into the playoffs. Excellent. Yeah. Great news. Um, so I guess that is it for the Scottish football chat. We do want to turn our attention to the World Cup to round off the show. We, I don't know how long we'll talk. We'll just see how, how it goes with nothing planned. But first game played today, Qatar, <laughs> to the shock, I'm sure, of no one, aren't very good. Went down to a 2-0 defeat to Ecuador. Good first half, absolutely dreadful second half. I, I I hope the rest of the games aren't as poor as that, I've got to say, because some of the games here are at 2am and 5am. I would almost place money on the fact that in Ecuador were told, beat them but don't hammer them, because they definitely didn't get out of it even like neutral. <laughs> like, I don't want to say first or second year. The Northern Irish team, Linfield, beat Qatar in a friendly in the summer 1-0. Um, so you're not trying to tell me an Ecuador team littered with Premier League players couldn't have absolutely smashed that team if they wanted to. I mean, the the, the goal being offside still looked like a, a very dodgy decision to me. I, um, I, I like how when they clarified it many minutes later with the still picture, you only saw the guy's leg. You didn't see the goalkeeper or any other players. Yeah. It's like, oh, look, there's a leg over a line. That was terrible. I thought the third goal was potentially offside when the ball came in. It looked like he was forward of what the, what the would, line would have been. I would have at least checked the third goal on VAR. Um, I mean, we didn't see a replay of it. I feel like... No, I mean, they check every goal, but... Also, that first decision took ages for something that they said, oh, it's all streamlined, it's all AI and automated now. Well, you seem to take a hell of a long time to come to that decision. Yeah. It's a bit of a fast. I mean, if England don't put any more than 10 past them, any less than 10 past them, I'll be astounded. Because they are absolute dog meat. Well, England won't be playing them. Pardon? England won't be playing them. Are they not in England's group? No, they're in Holland's group. They're in whose group? Holland. Or the Netherlands, to be... Okay, substitute England for that then. I've not actually paid much attention to the groups, to be honest. Oh, that's disappointing. That's what I was going to talk about. (laughs) I just assumed England... Because they were playing tomorrow, we're gonna be like that's right. Because England have got Iran, USA, and Wales. I mean, that could have been us. It could have been us, but it's not because we're shit. Mm. Um, Yeah, so you you fancy Netherlands to give them a beasting as well, unless all these teams have been told, look, you'll get your win, um, just don't batter them. But then, yeah, I think though, looking at it, like I mean, Ecuador basically completely switched off in the second half. I think they're just happy. We'll take the points. We'll we're not going to overexert ourselves. We're not going to pick up any injuries because they've got Netherlands next week. Yeah, and then Senegal. Senegal. The the dangerous thing is though, it could go down to goal difference. Well, and then you haven't then pushed and tried to add to that. Is it Scotland? Oh, I don't know. I mean, before my time, but it was like the is it like one of the World Cups in '74 or something? But like we were in a group with Zaire. Brazil, Yugoslavia, yeah. and all the decent teams drew, and Scotland only beat Zaire like 2 0. And then everyone else went and smashed Zaire, so we went out. I was thinking that today. I was like, if you know, you may as well just have gone for a, a third or maybe a fourth instead of just 
killing the game. But Qatar were potentially up there with one of the worst teams I've seen at a World Cup. I mean, it was genuinely terrible. They could barely string two or three passes together in the first half. And their defender was shocking. They've become the, the first hosts not to to take anything from their first match, the first host to, to lose their first match, the only host that haven't got out of the group before South Africa. Mm. And it would be stunning now because Qatar would have to go and beat Holland to get out of the group. So, And they were, they were saying as well that no, no host country has ever failed to win at least one game. Yeah. I think Qatar are going to take that record. It's if be... Qatar even score a goal that's not a penalty, I'll be <laughs> Do not be surprised if they're playing Holland and they're 7-0 down or 8-0 down or whatever and they get a customary penalty just so they score a goal. Uh, they wanted to get in the box, to be honest. They had, uh, I think Shearer was saying on the, the, the coverage, they had three touches in the Ecuador box. Oh, jeez. And zero shots on target. Wow. Their goalkeeper needed three touches to try and collect every ball that came towards him. Mm. <laughs> I mean, how we obviously know everything that's that's going on d- down there, and it's we won't get into it all. But are, are you excited for this World Cup? I mean, it's weird because it's in winter, Christmas decorations are everywhere. For me, it's shit time-wise because. Games in the group stage are at 2am, 5am, 8am and 11am. And then it gets slightly better to like 7am and 11am and some games are at noon. It's better for you guys for a lot of the games. I know you've got it early in the morning, but you've got some big games in at night. Are you excited for it or can you not quite get up for it? The least Working from home is great because I'll be able to have it on in the background. So I'll see a lot of the games. Well, not see a lot of them, but be closer to the detail. But for that reason, yeah. But to be honest, I don't really get World Cup fever because I Scotland done in it. So I, I don't have that same willingness to, to watch it. Like I... I, I don't watch an awful lot of English, English Premier League. I don't watch a lot of the Champions League. I used to. I used to be right into it all. But, you know, I think that my thoughts are so consumed with East Fife and Scotland that I actually just care less and less about the, the competitions. But this year I've drew Germany in the sweep, so I'm on the Germans. <laughs> you you I'm, up for it? I'm, I'm the opposite. I'm like... I'm right into World Cups. Like first first World Cup I watched, uh ninety-four, like just fucking loved it. It was one of the, the things that like really pushed me over into loving football. So but this is the World Cup that I've by far been the least excited about. Mm. Part of it is I think the time of year, because to me, summer um World Cup's always summer, like that's the thing. Um and part of it is just the the whole thing about Qatar, like, you know, one part of it is, yeah, what, whatever you think about that country and what goes on there. The other part is that they clearly bought the World Cup. Yeah. Clearly bought it. Um, that That's the country that, you know, all the rules that FIFA talk about of, you know, what country should be able to host World Cups. Qatar, I've got none of it. It's like a tiny wee country. It's all in one city. You know, where Scotland were um, talking about, hosting a tournament they're like oh you can't have three stadiums in Glasgow 
and they've got about 12 in Doha. It's, and, and they bought it, and it's just... I'm, I'll, I'll be excited. Like When the games come round and I start watching them, I will get excited about it, but way, way less than any previous World Cup. The, the only other one I've never been that excited for was 2002, Japan, South Korea, but that's because I was at work and the timings of the games was when I was at work, so it was crap. And this time around, again, the timings don't make it great. I, at least I've got Canada to, to cheer on. And we do have a, a Scottish guy at the World Cup and David Witherspoon that's made the Canadian squad. Well, also the Australians have got three Scots in their team. Oh, I've missed yeah. this. Really? Uh, Harry Suter, Martin Boyle and Jason Cummings. They're all oh. in the Australian squad. Is that just because they've gone down and got citizenship? They've all got at least one Australian parent. Oh, I completely missed that. Oh, that's awesome. I'll cheer them on as well. Although they're in, they're in tough. They've got a, a really tough group. They'll finish bottom of that group, I think. Yeah, I think that all, all my brackets I had had them bottom. Canada's got a shot. They've, they've had some injuries going into the tournament. Alfonso Davies did his hamstring a couple of weeks ago and it was... I, I woke up and my phone had gone crazy with everyone like panicking like, oh my God. But he seems to have recovered in like two weeks. Amazingly, it's like these fit young athletes these days. And he thinks he's going to be good to go against Belgium, who are now missing Lukaku for their first two group games, including against Canada. So I think Canada getting Belgium first. Canada's attack is amazing. Their front three is up there and with some of the best in the world. It's their midfield that's they're maybe going to lose the battle and defensively they're not great, but they'll score. So it's then how they, they deal with it. And they've got a head coach in John Herdman, who's an English guy. He's from Consett, Geordie lad, who has this motivational approach that just players will run through the wall for him. He's into all this kind of stuff. Like you have seen all this in your business stuff, Lee, at all those management meetings where you get all those motivational stuff. He's Simon, huge. And, Simon Sinek, probably. Yeah, yeah that kind of yeah. stuff. He's basically yeah. that on a football side and when he took over Scott Arfield was part of the team and he basically said to him look because he was the coach of the women's team for years and then he moved into men's team and Scott Arfield said look men aren't going to buy into this so then he got punted from the squad and then now they're at a world cup yeah uh, he must be spewing it yeah get it right up yeah Arfield yeah it's his own fault. Like he had a, there was a fight at training one day, and he was saying stuff like, "Look, this is how men behave. It's not you're not with the women anymore." Um, there's a documentary on iPlayer about something like how to win a World Cup or something like that, and they 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 go back and they look at Spain 2010, Germany 2014, France 2018, and they can they interview loads of the people that were involved in the squad and. Kind of, you know, what was happening before the tournament, during the tournament, but that I think was a big part of it. Like a lot of them, they talked about the motivational approach by each manager, um, and even like how some of the players kind of stepped up and like what it took sort of mentally, um, and you know how teams that have, you know, been the best in the world, won World Cups, like how they've done it, and that that was recurrent for all those teams that they all think about that. 
And it just strikes me that, you know, the Scottish attitude are like, oh, that's shite, we're not doing that. It's like, we've got to get rid of that. Absolutely get rid mm-hmm. of it. it. It holds us back. I don't think we move on here. And like you've said so many times as well, Lee, it's like the old boys network here and it's all the same folk that get all the jobs and they need some fresh thinking, they need fresh ideas in. I'm not saying like totally go down John Herdman's motivational approach because it's a bit much for me at times when... Every single media call you're on with them, it's just so much positivity that it's hard to, to kind of like, after a while, you just switch off. Yeah, but, sure. I think that I've said many times that Scottish football needs revamped from, from top to bottom. And, you know, the even the, at the board level, you know, for some forward thinking ideas is, is insane. But yeah, I mean, I actually quite like quite a lot of that. And like motivational stuff, um, some of the Simon Sinek stuff was, was was pretty good. And I mean, I used to get it at, at meetings and still do to an extent. Get it at, at meetings all the time about um, how to be a people person and be a leader and not a, a manager and, and all this sort of stuff. So I, I do get it to an extent, but equally, like some of the Sir Alex Ferguson stuff, um, where it how he motivated his teams like his book leading is excellent and I'd, I'd recommend it to anybody that, that wanted well, to well he teaches it. at harvard with all yeah. that as well so yeah so i mean uh, you, you can inspire people in different ways but the, the arfield approach to it is the, the most scottish thing i've yeah. ever heard in my entire life and it doesn't surprise me at all and then it's cost him his only chance really to be at a world cup and it's and then he's tried to spin it with all the media friends that he's got at Rangers of oh it was my decision and I wanted to concentrate on club football and it's like you clearly went to Canada for a reason because you wanted to play international football yeah you've got a chance to be at a world cup and if you if your body held up you could maybe even make it to the next one because we're hosting yeah and you fucked it up just because you've got an attitude mm. yeah David Wallace who isn't as talented as one yeah um, I'm, so, I'm delighted for Spoonie like he follows me on Twitter um, oh, and he, yeah he's my Twitter <laughs> friend um, so I'm delighted for him and yeah it's just it, it's it's great it's a great story there's another guy in the Canadian squad as well that I've commentated oh, on him since he played college soccer over here um, and he shouldn't be in the squad either but one of the centre-backs got an injury and is out and then he's got in as kind of like a, a last-ditch replacement. So it's like, what an opportunity. Even if you're not going to see the field, just to go there and just be part of it all. Yeah. Because Spoonie, he may get the odd few minutes here and there, but he might not even get on the pitch at all, but you're part of a World Cup thing. Mm. Oh, yeah. Like, for any player, it's like, you'd, if you've grown up watching football and wanting to go to World Cups and wanting to play in World Cups, even just, just being in a squad, I think most players would do anything for that. To throw it away is just silly, but that's a really like Ferguson thing as well. It's just like, as soon as a player, you know, like ruthless like that, yeah. you know, you're, you're talking back to me, you're, you're thinking you're this, you're gone. doesn't matter who you are. Well, one bad apple can totally derail a dressing room. And like Canada's gone on so much about oh we're a brotherhood we all fight for each other and you just have to spend a few minutes speaking to any of them and they firmly believe that a hundred percent. How much that can take them 
when you're at a much tougher level than beating shitty teams from the Caribbean 11-0 and stuff over here is a whole it's different a, thing. It's a tough group as well because like and at work um some folk had they you know they'd done their prediction stuff and they they'd put Canada to go through as a dark horse and part of me is like you know I feel like people often underestimate Croatia mm. and all the, well, I what, think we did at the Euros. <laughs> yeah. What they'll usually say is like ah but Modric is getting on. And it's like every time Modric's in the game, everyone's like, oh, Modric is getting old, then he's man of the match. You know, next next game, same thing. And we underestimated Croatia. So, you know, part of me is just like, don't underestimate what a good team they are. I, mean, yeah. they can- I also wouldn't underestimate Morocco in that group either, because again, they're used to the heat and everything. We are not Well, my dark horse tip for this, this one is Serbia. But that's partly because the guy that's the manager of our rental complex here is Serbian. And I think he's brainwashed me into how well this team is going to do. Um, he said, oh, this we're, we're not going to make mistakes. We've got the, the head coach has got us playing the way that we need to be playing. They were unbeaten in the group. They finished above Portugal. Yeah. Um, and, every, you know, Portugal, everyone's like, oh, they're outsiders for it. But nobody talks about Serbia and... They could have a good tournament. If Tough they beat Switzerland, it's between them and Switzerland for second in that in that group. And so, who have you got to win it? Lee won't care that much, but Gordon, who have you got to win it? Um, but before it, I thought um, I thought it would be Brazil or Argentina. Um, yeah, that's I, mine. I did, I did the the kind of bracket thing, um, and I've got Brazil. They, they look very good, and I also think that there's there's no really outstanding European team this year. I think all of them have got weaknesses and I think the South Americans are looking pretty good. The weather will see them. Is there not a stat that outside of Europe, a European team's not won it for X amount of years? Um, the only time, well, no, because uh, Brazil, Germany won it in Brazil. They won it in South Africa. Oh, I, I, there's, there's some sort of stat, blah, blah, blah. But I, I would probably have said that the, the sort of European teams all struggle with the heat. Mm. Um, I, I personally have Brazil to win it, although if Germany win it, I could get like 130 quid or something like that. So I'm on the Germans. I, I've got Brazil to win it. I've got Brazil, Argentina in one semi, and I had France, Spain, but France are just devastated with injuries just now. It's mm, going to be yeah. tough. Um, Eng- England's got a piss easy run. I, I actually, do, doing the wee bracket thing, I actually, I didn't mean to, but I got them into the semi-finals and they played Belgium. So I had Belgium beating England in one semi, Brazil beating Argentina in the other, and then Brazil beating Belgium in the final. The only thing I think they've got going for them is they may not even get out of the group if they get a bad start. I mean, fingers crossed. I, Iran, again, qualifying did really well and they're used to that weather and they're going to have so many fans there cheering them on. Yeah. Not obviously female fans, but they're going to have lots of fans there cheering them on. But yeah, that is our predictions. Let us know yours. Let us know if you're interested in the World Cup. If you want us to chat about it in the podcast, let us know. If you want us just to focus on the East Fife stuff, let us know. Obviously, we don't have a game next week, so we'll we'll see how that goes. Just any final thoughts from you guys? We'll start with, with Lee. I always feel like this is like Jerry Springer and his final thoughts. Um, but Jerry, Jerry, no, um, no final thoughts from me. 
still, I still think that despite I'm not <laughs> winning a game since he got the job, that I think Greg is doing a, a decent job. There's, I've seen some chatter on like social media and Pai and Bovril and stuff, but ultimately, as assistant manager, he probably didn't have as much a hand in assembling this squad as you would like. I think he's got us playing much better style of football than than what Crawford has and, and the players seem to, I think, or from my observation, playing more for him than they were under Crawford. So give him time, you'll get it right. I'm still confident in the playoffs. Gordon, talk to us about your feelings. Oh, pretty similar, to be honest. I think even though, you know, we've not won a game in a while, I'm pretty optimistic. You know, the three games that we've got coming up, all very winnable and I'm, um, you know, just optimistic about chances for these. I think we can go and kind of Got another wee good run. I think it's uh, positive. Yeah, I, I, I'm confident still that we'll be top four. And then once you're in the playoffs, it's like just whoever's in form at the right time or who gets the the luck or the the games and isn't injured and beat up going into them. These three next these the next three games though are huge. If you ask me, then at the end of that, if we haven't had a good run, how I'm feeling, it might be completely different. But I. No. I He's got us playing nice football, and that's the thing. We're we're not losing badly. We're playing well, and we just have to make the right additions in January. And I think we'll push on. And uh, I'm I'm confident of that. I mean, he's, he should have money because there's the Jude money. Do do we get do we get a little bonus for him making the under twenty one start the other night? Oh, I don't hope know. that was a clause. Yeah, hopefully all that stuff's been well written in. But yeah, we'll see. That is it for this week's show. Thank you for listening to us and fitting us in and amongst all your, your World Cup matches. Uh, my co-host from the podcast here in Canada, Zachary Adam Meisenheimer, is over in Qatar. If he has any little tasty tidbits, we'll maybe bring you that in, in this show as well. He's over just now enjoying, well, not enjoying the heat and humidity. He's over there enjoying the experience. Let's put it that way. Let us know who you've got to win it. Oh. He's getting in the mood. He's put on the red light. He's not like Roxanne. He doesn't have to do this anymore. <laughs> I wish we had this in visual. But that is it for this show. As always, thanks for listening. Take care. Mon the Fife and Allez Le Rouge for all the Canadian listeners. Bye, everyone. presents the Scottish League Cup to the side that lasted the course better. All conquering East Fife. As I made my way to that pitch on Wellesley Road To sing my songs for the boys in black and gold I heard the stories about 1938 I was just a boy, I knew I'd have to win Now there's broken dreams and what might have been At that stadium by the shore But those glory days ago might return once more